Welcome back to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Welcome back to Hashtag Single. I am your host, Jeanette. Really excited to bring you a very special episode for the month of September. As you know, this summer, we wanted to introduce you to different opportunities to get off the damn dating apps and back into real life. And this episode is like that, but a little bit of a departure or a detour, if you will, kind of like an offshoot of that. And let me explain to you why. I have a little backstory. So for my 40th birthday, which happened in the pandemic, my incredible parents gifted me a trip, which I think is an extraordinary present you can give to someone as travel is so important, but often it's not something that we prioritize for ourselves, you know, so for my 30th birthday, they had also done the same, except it was a trip to London specifically. <laughs> they were like, you're going to London, as I had, um, I'd never been. And I was really excited, and I asked all my friends to go with me. And while a ton of people were thrilled to join me, everyone was really specific about their vacation days and their time off and when they could go, which, hello, makes absolute sense, especially for my friends who have more full-time jobs. But like, It was my birthday trip, and I just needed someone to say, hell yeah, when are we going? But that wasn't the case. And I thought about going solo, but while I'm super good on my own during the day, I realized that one of the things I love about travel is talking about and digesting my experience with someone that night over dinner or drinks, right? So after doing some research, I found a um, group travel company called Kentiki, which specializes in group travel for people in their 20s and 30s. And... I had an incredible experience, one of my best friends today I met on that trip. So back to the 40th birthday trip, I knew I wanted to do group travel again, but 35 is the cutoff, which is super depressing for Kentucky, but it makes sense. Um, So uh, I started doing some more research. I found a lot of group travel for seniors, as you can imagine, a lot of group travel for couples. And then the evil and the magic of the cookies of the internet, because I'd been doing all this research, I got a sponsored ad on Instagram one night for a company called Flashpack, which specializes in solo group travel for people in their 30s and 40s. And I am not joking when I say this, my heart started beating faster. I was like, oh my God, I found the holy grail. This is my company. This is exactly what I want. So I started perusing their trips right away and they all looked incredibly insane. You know, the jungles of Costa Rica, the history of Vienna, Vietnam, Thailand, Bali. They were all so amazing and I had a really hard time deciding. Uh, I actually made a little breakdown of all the places that were in my price range to compare them to side by side because I'm a uh, total research nerd. Um, But I finally picked Peru after realizing that I'd never actually been to uh, either Central or South America. And I took my trip at the beginning of July this year, and I had, I had such an incredible time. I'll share some of my pictures and my um, my reels and my stories. Um, and one of the wonderful things I found about it was, you know, I was connecting with the people in my group who were my age, who were largely single, who were the kind of people that I vibed with, people that wanted to see the world as much as I did, but didn't have a travel companion. So... 
What I wanted to do was introduce this aspect of solo travel, especially for singles, especially for female solo travelers. And I'm so excited to tell you that I have with me here today the founder of Flashback, Lee Thompson. Lee, I'm so thrilled to be able to talk with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, Jeanette. Thank you for having me. So I introduce all my guest experts, which is what you are today, by reading their bio and introducing them to the audience so that the audience can get to know who you are and where you come from, a little bit of your your own personal backstory. So I'm just going to read your bio real quick and feel free to add anything I may have missed at the end. Cool. Lee Thompson is a former photojournalist who spent 14 years covering breaking stories around the world. In 2012, he started dating Radha Vias, and they both instantly connected over their shared love of travel, noticing a distinct lack of appealing options in the travel market for people in their 30s and 40s. At that time, they launched Flashpack in 2014 as the only group travel company that connects like-minded solo travelers in their 30s and 40s on life-affirming adventures across the world. Flashpack meticulously researches and curates itineraries, seeking out off-the-beaten-track locations. This multi-award-winning adventure company also organizes exclusive activities such as private wine tasting in the desert that would be super hard for solo travelers to organize independently. He's currently located in London, lives there with his wife, Rada, and their two-year-old. Is that right? Three-year-old. Yeah. Three-year-old. There you go. So that now you have a complete bio, but anything else you want to add? I feel like I basically just give like a huge pitch for flashback, which is great. But anything else about you? How did you become a photojournalist? Well, um, I always loved photography. Um, so I left school at 16, just became a photographer on like a local newspaper and then just had a huge desire to travel the world being a photographer. So that led me on a path of working for national newspapers and magazines and traveling the world for a living, taking pictures, which was a dream job at the time. Wait, Lee, how do you go from taking pictures to the local newspaper to like <laughs> getting photojournalist assignments in like other countries around the world? Oh, I had, a, I had like a lot of, a lot of drive or just wanted to um, travel for a living. I was just doing whatever it took to be able to travel for work. Did you go rogue? Were you like that kid that was like, I'm just going to get myself in the war zone and take photos and submit? I feel like I'm like making a movie of your life as we speak. <laughs> and then they're like, this kid has it. This is, the, this is the photo we want. Is that how your story is? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Like, yeah, a little bit. I was that, I was that kid. Yeah. Like the sort of Spider-Man photographer, you know, I was that sort of, yeah, kind of just would do anything to kind of just sort of work my way up the ladder and travel and take pictures. Yeah. I, I love that story. I mean, I think that that hustle is a very, can I claim this? It's a very New York story. There was, there was a photographer in the 1960s that would just cover all the crime scenes before crime scene photography was really a thing. And no one asked him to be there. He would just show up with a camera. And now we've gone back and been able to retrospectively acknowledge like how wow. his contributions helped create the news stories as we receive it today. So you can thank him and his whatever whatever drive that you have that he had as well. So congratulations. So how did you and Radha meet and how was the idea of Flashback born? Yeah, essentially I met Radha on a dating app. No, you didn't. I did. I thought That's that, like I a thought, yeah, like part that. of the story. Oh my God, which dating app was it? Match.com. Okay. It's like Damn, the old so one great. that probably no one really remembers now. <laughs> It's like, that's 
one where you have to email people, right? <laughs> we were like the first on the dating scene. It was like when you don't even talk about doing internet dating. It was like taboo. But anyway, we met on that. And um, Rada lived two streets around the corner from where I lived in Southwest London. And I searched all the algorithms for someone that loved travel, uh, that lived near me and loved wine. And it connected us on those three things. And um, on the first date, um, we were having a really good time, like obviously really liked each other and the wine was flowing. And Rada mentions this idea, like, you know, she wants to set up a company for people her age group in their 30s and 40s because there is no cool travel company appealing to me and I don't want to go away with 18 to 30s and over 60s. So not only did we get on great and it was like the best date ever, but we, um, it was like a light bulb moment for both of us. And that was where Flashback was born on our first date. I love that you met on a date. I think that keeps it like real full circle, especially what we'll come to talk about in a little bit about how this is such a, a generative place for single people to meet. And the fact that you guys connected on travel is really clutch because... A, I don't think the apps anymore connecting people on, on real values. So somehow that worked for you and it doesn't work for millions of people. But more importantly, like, I mean, it's one thing to go on a date and be like, I love to travel. And it's another thing to go on a date and be like, I have this great idea. And someone's like, that's incredible. You should go for it. And it is an entirely other thing for two people to meet on a date, connect on that level, and then actually follow through and decide to go through with their crazy idea. So, yeah. so anyway, a lot of that is just like a congratulations to you for taking the, the leap in, on, on both parallel tracks, both with your now wife and also in creating this, this company together. It takes a lot of bravery. Yeah, and it is a bit crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story though. It's such a fabulous story. So you have a pretty incredible story about the early years of Flashpack when you and Rada were sort of struggling to get Flashpack circulated and known and suddenly received over a million hits crashing the website. Can you tell us about that story? Yeah. So, um, eventually like all our kind of, you know, subsequent dates were like research in the travel industry and we you know, threw a website together, got like a really cool brand name, Flashpack, like did a few ads on Google, like did a few meetups in central London to try and get people interested in the brand. And um, with very, very little money, like I think we threw in like uh, like $20,000 of personal savings. We um, were able to get like a lot of brand buzz, but like no customers booking. It was really, really painful. You know, we're trying to sell group holidays, which means we need a group of 10 people at least to make a group um, happen. Um, so we needed like a huge idea on no marketing spend. So um, I spotted an opportunity. I saw a, a picture of two workmen popping their head out of Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio and knew straight away that that was the picture that was going to go viral. If I could convince the right people in Rio to let me climb Christ the Redeemer statue and take a picture, a selfie from the top, that would launch our business. And it, to cut a long story short, I made, I made that happen. And I was the first person to take a selfie with, with Jesus, as it was called. A selfie with Jesus. I love that you always cut out the good parts. You're like, long story short. And of course, I'm like, no, no, no. How the hell did you convince the authorities that like you were the person to go to the top of the Christ the Redeemer statue? And probably because of your background, your photojournalism background. 
Yeah, I think like my photojournalism superpower was always convincing people to do things. So it, it felt quite easy to, to do that. But um, essentially, I flew to Brazil. I, I doorstepped. I literally sat outside the office of the person who is responsible for that statue. Got a translator, like translated to him that like, I really wanted to take a picture from the top of there because it will go really viral and show everyone how amazing Brazil is. And it was just before the World Cup football world cup or soccer as you guys call it and um so it's good timing the guy said come back tomorrow and he gave me the key to it and i i had free access to the entire Shut inside up. of that statue for about an hour yeah. wait can we just talk about the fact that there's a key <laughs> like jesus there's a, key. there's a lock to get into jesus <laughs> there's a lock to get of course there's a lock to get into jesus what? and basically it's like have... a regular like key you get from a hardware store is it like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a, at least like there's a code, like a fancy code. No, 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 just a key. So basically, like all the tourists can go up to the top of, um, like everyone can climb to that that uh, the statue. There's like a um, you know a hill that you climb up, and but to actually get inside, there needed to be scaffolding because there was actually scaffolding because the workmen were fixing the top of it from storm damage. That meant you could get to a door, and then essentially this guy opened the lock and let me in. And I climbed inside and it gets like a spiral staircase that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so you're literally on your hands and knees crawling through different parts of it. And then, um, and then you, you sort of abseil a little bit. <laughs> it's like a pull yourself up on a rope. And then he opened, this guy opened the top of the statue, like this sort of manhole. And, um, and I popped my head out the top. It was pretty, pretty amazing, to be honest. Oh, that is an insane story. I was just thinking about all of the things that could go wrong. Like there's quite a lot of risk that went into that endeavor, you know, like normally people don't let people do things like that because they're worried that like, say you had fallen off the scaffolding and you had broken every bone in your body, then you sue them and all those just wild things that don't allow people to do um, crazy stunts anymore. You know, do you yeah. think that it helped like Brazil tourism in the end, especially for the World Cup? Did they get kind of the return out of it that you were pitching them with? Uh, I do, yeah. So basically, we so we on that one picture alone, um, we had a like a video that we shot as well, and um, we the message was like, here's our here's the first selfie with Jesus. It went insanely viral, and because we had this video, everyone went to our website to watch the video. So we had two million hits to our website in two days, and I then went to do press for like almost every single country in the world. Like Ricky Gervais was talking about me on one of the main channels in the US. Um, I was on Japanese TV, um, like New Zealand TV, BBC, CNN. Like I just went completely mad um, for about a week. So I think that- <laughs> For about a week and then we moved on, yes. Yeah, and then we that's... moved on and yeah, self is dangerous. And <laughs> but, you know, and then the rest is history, as they say, the like how free, yeah. like, um, I love that you took your your skills and your backstory and sort of like combined them in this ultimate moment to transition from the photojournalism and the rule-breaking aesthetic of your former life to transition into your, your future life as uh, the founder and owner of- flashback. I think that's what a great story. Cheers. One of your mantras or principles, and when I say your, obviously, but it is you, but one of flashbacks, mantras or number one principles is this phrase, create 1 million friendships. Mm -hmm. And to that end, on my first day, our tour guide, Joseph, told us 
this. You know, we're sitting at this introductory meeting and, and he introduced this concept. And he asked us to that end very intentionally not to sit with the same people, you know, mm. at dinner, on the van, wherever we are gathered every single night. Sort of asking us to make this effort on the very first day, mm. asking us to agree almost like a like a verbal contract almost, you know, and I will say that my group especially upheld that 100%. I had different seating partners at almost every leg of my trip. And on your website, it says, I'm just going to read this quote real quick. Friendships and human connection are everything, even more so now that the world is opening up post-pandemic. Yet in your 30s and 40s, finding friends that are available to go traveling with is near impossible, and making new ones can be even harder. And that's where we come in. So I don't I don't think we talk about this as a culture or society far enough, like how hard it is and yet how essential it is to create and maintain a friend group, especially as a single person and especially as you get older. What was the aha moment for you and Rada when you decided that this would be the key or a key element to your branding and intentionality behind the company? Yeah, so first of all, we founded the company because we were both single in our 30s and didn't have anyone to travel with. Um, all Rada's friends were, you know, getting married, having kids. And obviously you don't really want to travel with them and their kids. I'm sure it'd be amazing, but it's not the type of vacation that you want. And it was the same for me. Like all my friends were just too busy. And and actually, like whether we admit it or not, if if you're single in your 30s and 40s, it can feel lonely. It, de- it depends who you are and how, how much of a social life you are and how active you are in meeting new people. But um, I'll, hit you, I'll hit you with some really sad um, statistics that um, 40% of people who live in London um, who live, who are single, say they feel alone. Mm-hmm. And um, the singles household as a category is the fastest growing house type or you know, um, category um, in, in uh, overall. So basically what it's saying is like more people are single in their 30s and 40s more than ever before. And actually loneliness is like a really big factor, like a really important one. It can feel, you can feel really isolated. So they're the problems we were always solving. But now in this kind of post-pandemic world, that the need for that's greater than ever because we spent large, large periods of time um, alone potentially during COVID. So we're all desperate to meet new people and it's amazing to meet new people um, and build new friendship. Yeah, I I, I don't think that statistic is is just isolated to London. I think that it's certainly true in New York and I think major cities across the world. I don't have the the, the facts like you do, but just just in my own research and my own talking to people on this podcast, um, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody to talk like loneliness, I think, is in itself a new epidemic, especially like everyone's saying, and it's so cliche, but you know how devices are supposed to connect us all and they all tend to make us more lonely than ever and how same with the app dating. App dating is supposed to be easier and make you connect faster and yet it creates this, this um I don't know this 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 sort of hole of loneliness because it's not mm. it's not real it's superficial it's surface and no one seems to want to take the time to actually talk and get to know you it's sort of like you have this tiny little window of like connecting and if it doesn't happen people move on so I don't think you're al- alone in, in 
I don't think you're alone, but I I don't think uh, you're unique in talking about like, how can we address loneliness as an epidemic in our culture, in society, in the world? What are like, what have, how have we gotten to this place? And more importantly, like, what are we doing to intentionally make connections for people going forward? Yeah, I just wanted to add to that. Like, it's, it's really hard to make new friends, even if you are really social. Um, and, you know, you can get drunk with someone and, you know, have a bit of banter and make some friends. But to maintain those friendships, to nurture those friendships is really difficult. Whereas if you go on like an adventure, hot, uh, an adventure and let's just say you abseil down Table Mountain in Cape Town or have a, have a fight with a sumo wrestler and learn. As the you do. Sumo, sure, sure. As you do with someone. <laughs> we do that in Japan. It's quite fun. Then it creates stories and memories. And, and then it's the kind of core foundations of which to build a friendship. Yes. It's the, it's the bachelor bachelorette syndrome. Correct. Like, <laughs> sorry, departure for a second, but you know, we always talk about this because it's this extremely famous reality TV show and like unbelievably unrealistic about how people can fall in love in eight weeks, but they fall in love a, because they're removed from their, their entire world and everybody that they know, but also because their experiences are really extreme. You know, they're bungee jumping and they're going to Paris and they're on a, 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 like these extraordinary trips that, that we could only dream of having. And mm. because they're having these extreme experiences, they're bonding more deeply, you know? So I always think about like, well, how can we use that parallel <laughs> So like, I don't have the money, obviously, to like rent a cruise ship for me and my date. But how can we take that parallel on dating? Like how instead of me sitting there interviewing someone about their background and where they grew up, how can we have an exp- a shared experience so we can connect on a different level? Absolutely. Yeah. So in talking sort of about soloness and in dating, I want to ask you about something. Flashback has an online magazine that you call Solo. I find it really interesting. You sort of leaned into this demographic, especially by just like uh, encouraging publication and articles uh, about being about being single and about being a, a solo person. So tell me more about where that idea originated and sort of like what your intention behind creating it is. Yeah, that's a really good question. The intention is that we could honestly create a business in all kinds of different verticals for this for this audience of people in their 30s and 40s who mostly are single because it's kind of like the ignored demographic. If you're single and you're in this age group, um, nobody's really talking to you. Um, it's expected that you're settled down, you've got kids, you know, and in reality, we're all working really hard in our careers, we're settling down later, all that stuff's really important, but um, it's not happening in the way that media would 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 assume that it is. So we wanted to put our um, customers first and really it's like a community platform. So it's for flashpackers as we call them um, to um, have a voice and to um, create really relevant content for other people, other solos in their thirties and forties. So that's, that's the meaning behind it. Um, and, you know, we could do all different kind of things to kind of, you know, build up friendship and nurture friendship um but uh yeah it's it's really about a way of talking to people in this in this age group did that idea come from the pandemic specifically or are you just finding over the years that you've been in business that there is a deep need to take the idea of flashback at its core and sort of widen it to allow people to connect together yeah yeah, it's it's really it's it's. I mean, we've been doing it for a while, but what what the difference is post pandemic is that we've just been laser focused on 
and um, bringing customer voices onto the platform um, rather than you know just becoming another media publication just really put in the um the flash packers voice um it, at the front of everything so it's it's very much a community driven um platform i love that that's there i just i just think it's like it's one thing to have a travel company, but it's another to realize that like, oh, the foundation of the travel company is not just travel. The foundation of this company goes beyond that. It's about connection. It's about community. It's about friendships. And how can we take this this principle and expand upon it? And I will just be completely honest. So, you know, my 40th birthday fell in the doomed 2020. So I was looking at flashback trips in January, <laughs> February. It's only funny in retrospect because we know what's going to happen, right? In January and February of 2020, you know, and I yeah. literally was about to book it um, when the pandemic hit, you know, back when we thought the pandemic was going to be three weeks and then just three months. And I remember having this conversation with my parents and I was like, do you think this is so insane to say, but do you think I should just put my deposit down now so I don't lose my place? And my dad was like, no, are you insane? Like, we don't know what's going to happen in the company in the pandemic. You know, here I was being optimistic that we were like going to come out of it in June of 2020. And I was going to take my my trip in, in July of 2020. But he's right. You know, like, I, I don't know. I just had this moment where I was like, you know, what is the future of, of tourism? What is the future of travel? So given that tourism was at stake, and I can say that, you know, I'm a licensed New York City tour guide. So I lost all of my livelihood in the pandemic as well. I'm sure there was a lot lot of panic on your end. But instead of only focusing, how can we keep our company alive? You're thinking, how can we use this time to benefit our future customers or benefit the solo community at large? I give you a lot of credit for that. Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning, though, we had a, a really rough time during the pandemic. Um, oh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, you know, we bought what, what it did do is um, gave gave us that chance to reflect. I mean, like our business grew so quickly but when we launched it in 2016 to, to um, 2020 that we didn't really have time to think, stop and think about what, you know, who our customers were and what they wanted from us. So it did give us good opportunity to reflect and build a stronger business this time. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And, you know, I, I, th I think more companies can learn from that, you know, like instead of just being focused on the internals and the, the business aspect of it, it's sort of like, let's zoom out. Like, what is what is our core foundation of the company? Like, what what is going back to that original mantra of community and friendship, a million friendships? But my feeds, so this is interesting. So my feeds recently told me <laughs> that five days ago, uh, you launched a series called Man to Man, which is a new series on male friendship and modern masculinity delivered by a different guest writer each week, including the founder of men's lifestyle website, The Book of Man, Martin Robinson, and author of Billy No Mates, Max Dickens. So I find it very amusing or apropos that you're here talking with me now on feminist female-leaning podcast, hashtag single. That seems yeah. like a a wonderful balance to me. Um, but to, I'm so curious about this. So tell me why you introduced this series and like why you felt it was so important to have a series about modern masculinity at this moment in time. Sure. I'm really glad you've asked me this question because this one is really close to my heart. Um, this is it's for the same reason I was talking before. It's like no one's really talking to these to these men in their 30s and 40s with the same problem. You know, they're single, they're feeling isolated. Um, it's, this is, this is really interesting to me because only, so out of, um, like the female ratio in our business is like 80%. So it's only 20% of men that are doing, going on group adventures with Flashpack. And 
the big question is like, well, where are they? Because women generally seem better at connection, spending time with their friends. This is just generally what, what I've seen. Whereas men don't tend to admit that they're lonely or tend to admit that they're, they need, they may need more friends. And it's, um, it, 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 basically they need a, they need to, they need to hear, um, that this is a great, um, option for them. So gently kind of easing into that kind of, um, male demographic with, you know, stories around, um, these influential people that you mentioned. And we'll see if we can get them gently into the Flashpack brand, because obviously making new friends is just as important to men as it is to women. I, I love that you're doing that. I think that is as important as like what I'm trying to do, which is trying to destigmatize the state of being single specifically for women. I mean, more broadly for single people in general. But I feel like a lot of women receive a lot of uh, stigmatization and is that a word? Uh, a lot of stigmatization and a lot of shame around being sp single, especially when they reach a certain point in their life. Mm -hmm. I literally just have an episode uh, that came out. My female guest was talking about how her date actually asked her, why is she single and what was wrong with her? Like wow. what, what stage of, yeah, this is, I was like, wait, was he hoping to like get with you? Because that's a, a, like a red flag right there. But it's so interesting. And I'm sure he didn't even realize he was saying it. It's just sort of like, it's, but the implication is like, what steps have you missed out on in your life as a single woman to have reached your forties without being partnered, without being singled? Like that is still in 2022, our expectation that a woman should be, and I say that with a capital S and a capital B, these certain things. Right. And uh, in addition to women being the sort of like, it's not just the, the ignored demographic, we're like the, the weird, we're the misfit demographic, you know, but the flip side of that absolutely are these single guys that also are shamed to have not found a partner by a certain time and like, you know, done the thing that that the world expects us to do, but are less likely to admit and talk about it. hundred um, percent. So. And I know a lot of men that fall into this category. It's, it's almost like they're having a tough time, but they don't want to let anyone know. So you're all guessing that, you know, they're struggling a little bit, but they never open up. And like, honestly, okay. So I'm, I'm married. I've got a child. I, I go, I'm not just saying this as a sales pitch, but I go on, on our trips quite frequently. I pop, I go on them like once every couple of months. Why do I do that? I'm, I love meeting new people. I don't have to, but I, I love having random conversation and meeting new people and sharing things that I don't have to share with any, with anyone if I don't want to, but it opens up a whole load of opportunity and friendship and conversation that you'd never have. Like even talking to you now, how would I ever meet you in a, in a normal world? Like, it's interesting to meet new people and it makes you feel less shit about your life. Sorry if I'm not allowed to swear. No, I'm not, as, <laughs> we love cursing on this podcast, but like have at it. I love that immediately you were like, oh gosh, you know, like it's your proper businessman and your proper Brit. But yeah, yeah, I think that's like, again, just to, to sort of reiterate what you're saying, like I think that is such an asset that you are the embodiment of your company. Like you literally put your money where your mouth is. You literally show up on the trip because you enjoy it yourself. Like there's no better example of a person that really believes in what they're doing um, than, than, than what you're doing with flashbacks. So I think that's really cool. So I'll bring up something to you. So it was a super interesting conversation I had on my final dinner with one of the male travelers in my trip. Um, so <laughs> sidebar, Lee, 
He was married. So apparently um, his his wife broke the rules. She called them up and, and pleaded. This is the story. Um, she pleaded with them. She's like, you guys look so amazing. There's no other boutique travel company for people in their 30s, adventure travel company. And she convinced them to let her and her husband join the trip, even though that's not the model or the MO for flashbacks. So we had this like um, interloper couple, which we all love to tease, obviously, on our trip because everyone else was single. And I will say they they were they were wonderful extroverts and they, they always joined in on conversations and they didn't isolate themselves in any way. So we loved having them there. But I did have this really interesting conversation with him in my final dinner because I was sitting across from a woman, Elizabeth, who is actually going to come on the podcast in two weeks and talk about her single life, which I'm really excited about. And we're she was talking about the, the fact that this was her second flashback trip. And on her first one, it was all women. And I was sharing this very silly story where, you know, when I told everybody I was taking this trip, they said... <laughs> Oh my God, you're going to meet somebody. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, well, not yet because um, we've only got 20% men. So it's a small chat. Well, I didn't but, know that at the time. But interesting to me that people are like, they, we have this fantasy. Like they were like, oh my God, Jenna is so single. You're going to go on this trip and you're going to meet the love of your life. I'll tell you, it does happen. It does happen. So um, there was one trip where there were two couples that met on that trip and now they're both married and both have kids on the same one the same trip together in the Philippines. that's crazy that's crazy there was another there's at least half a dozen more weddings that have happened and at least like three or four kids and it does happen and there was another one where um someone this couple got married they ended up getting married like a year later a year after meeting on a flashback trip and the lady's roommate um became her bridesmaid Oh, that's so cute. I know. <laughs> These are the stories you have to have on the block. No, you don't. Um, it's like, yeah, you've got to tell them without going, hey, we're like... For, yeah, yeah, I, like, like Again, I, I immediately take that back <laughs> because we don't want to set up the... Yes. Um, but, you know, that being said, I did bring you in, um, like, in a sort of in conjunction with, like, how do we get back in the world and we meet people and solo group travel could be an option. But, of course, we don't want to set up the expectation that, like, we're going to go on solo group travel to meet someone because right. my response when someone said oh my god you're going to meet someone as a joke i said please it's going to be all women because we know that women are more likely to go on solo group travel like that's just a statistic women are more likely to travel alone even in a group setting than men are so my response was like i was like or or what if i just have the trip of my life like trip of a lifetime like, why do I, why does it always have to be romanticized? Why do I have to meet someone? Why can't someone say, oh my gosh, you're going to have the trip of your lifetime. You're going to meet great friends. Like that kind of pissed me off. I was like, God, guys, why do I always have to like find someone wherever I go, you know? <laughs> but the beautiful thing is though, right? So like, so what does happen, what's more likely is that you will meet a great group of um, women who may, who may also be single and then you create potentially lifelong friends because like we do know that like 70% of all the people that go on our trips end up keeping in contact quite frequently and many of them continue to travel and meet up so there's loads of people in New York that's like one of our core um, audiences so by meeting similar people at the late, same life stage opens up a whole world of new people and connection and then maybe you'll meet someone down further down the line that's how I see it yeah 
My favorite follow-up to that story is that when I tell them, I was like, it's going to be all women. But then my friend, my friend Dan was like, no, no, you're not going to meet someone in your, in your trip. You're going to meet someone in Peru. <laughs> Oh, like, wow. We're going to fall in love. And I was like, that seems unlikely. We're moving around a lot. And he's like, I think you're going to meet a beautiful woman named Clara. Clarida. And I was like, wow, this is getting next level. I mean, he's gay. So he suddenly put this like gay love story on me. <laughs> he was sort of like, I was going to meet a woman in Peru and it was going to change my life. Um, you know, well, that's like a whole nother like fandom that you guys can explore if you need to. That can happen. That can happen. <laughs> Anything can happen. Anything could happen. But to bring it back to that conversation. So uh, the married man that I was talking to, he said, I don't know why more of my guy friends don't do things like this. Like I have several single male friends. And if they were on this trip, like they'd meet all of you and they're missing out on this opportunity. And I said, you know, again, because of the podcast and I'm super curious about all this. Why do you think your friends wouldn't go on a trip like this? And he said they're more likely to do bro trips they're not going to travel by themselves. They're more likely to go, you know, if they're going to go travel somewhere, it's going to go with a bunch of their friends to like go to a casino or go to a football game or like go to, you know, a stag weekend or a bachelor's weekend. Why do you think men, and we're making a generalization, but we do have some some stories and, and facts to back this up. Like why are men less likely to be interested in traveling solo? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like an, I can answer on behalf of men that I've spoken to, but um, essentially, first of all, they think they've got enough friends, so why would they need to do this? Why would they need mm. to travel with a bunch of strangers when at some point they'll go on a stag do or, you know, the, or something like that? Um, and quite frankly, they just don't think they need this. They think they're fine and they, they're a lot more expensive to market to. You've got to like, you know, they're more last minute. They're, they're just very, very, I'm to totally generalizing, but it's very, very difficult to get the attention of a man to come on a group trip with Flashpack, only 20% of men. But then out of the 20%, we get such a high percentage of people that keep coming back. It's like, it's like the best kept secret if you're a single man and those 20% know it and you guys don't Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if you can convince, that's a horrible word, but like if you can, yeah. if you, or you can tap in the mindset or even the men that take your trips, they're the, the perfect person to go back and like sort of use word of mouth to spread the word. Like I did this thing. It was incredible. I, there were only two dudes and there were, you know, 10 other women. Obviously the odds were in our favor, you know, obviously assuming that everyone is straight. But the other side of this coin, um, I just want to get your thoughts on this. I, I just really feel like there's a growing demographic of women who are finally giving themselves permission to not wait for someone to appear in their life mm. to do something with. And that's sort of like where I think this comes full circle with hashtag single. Look, we've been socialized and a lot of us have been socialized to believe that things will appear in our lives, um, that at some point you'll meet someone and at some point you'll get married and at some point you'll have kids. And what happens when we come to certain milestones in the road, 30, 35, 40, where these things have not appeared yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of us can have... Uh, certain goals or dreams, maybe owning a home, maybe starting a business, certainly traveling the world. I hear a lot where people were sort of like waiting for their lives to start, if you will, before they could do the thing they really want. And I think there's a growing trend in modern society where people are finally like, fuck that. <laughs> like my joy comes first. I've always wanted to go to India. What am I waiting for? Are you seeing that with your company as well? 100%. So I've been on um, four trips this year. Um, with Flashpack. 
and always within the group, let's just say 80% of the women on the trip uh, and the men are like um, really comfortable being single and they're like fully living their life on their terms, doing exactly what they want when they want it. They're like, they all very successful, doing really well in their careers, nice homes. They're like, they're looking after their homes. They are um, really happy, genuinely happy. And then there's this like, there's always, always one or two people who are, you can just tell are like unhappy single, don't really want to be doing this, but it's the best solution for them given the time. And, and, and they, and they really want to meet someone to the point where it's like, it's really obvious they want to meet someone. And, and of course, like it's unlikely to happen if you're in that, if you're in that bucket. So I hope that answers your question, but it, it feels like the majority of people at this age group, if they are single in their thirties and forties are living life on their terms and, and having a great life and comfortable that it, it, they may stay single, but they may meet someone too. I mean, that's how I approach the trip. I mean, my friends influenced me, obviously. I was like, should I be thinking I might meet someone, man or woman? Um, you know, but I went in with a friendship mindset first. And I can say largely that the women that I met and um, even the two guys that I met, we're taking the married couple out of it, obviously, um, on my trip fell into that former category of like happy, confident, like set in their lives, like living their life on their own terms, as you said. And like, yeah. I think that's why we all... Um, gravitated towards each other and created such strong friends because we we bonded on that common level. Definitely, definitely. You've got to, you know, you've just got to. I mean, I say this now. I'm married and I've got a child, so I realize I don't. You know, it's not really for me to say, but I feel like you're more likely to meet someone if you're not desperate to meet someone. That is true. It's also you're more likely to meet someone if you just get out in the damn world. One hundred percent. That, I that think being like, the most important part. Yeah, yeah I th like the likelihood. This is what bothered me about it. The likelihood that I would pick the if you if you're a fatalist, like if you believe in fate and soulmates, which I'm not sure I 100 percent do and the one and all that noise. But the likelihood that I would pick the trip that had the person that I was going to connect with. You know what I mean? Like, but do it like I just thought that that was sort of wild, like. The likelihood that I would meet my person on my trip was, I thought, quite low. You know, like, what if I decided to change my dates? What if someone else changed their dates? What if what if they were going to go in the pandemic and they're no longer going to go? You know, like, then you start thinking about, like, that's insane. Like, I have one in a million chance that this person is going to be on this trip. So you can't have that expectation going in. But the mindset of what if, what if, let me just take a leap. What if I just go on the trip of my dreams and meet 14 new strangers? That's that's a step in the direction of like of hashtag single, like get the fuck out there, get off the damn apps, live your life, be happy, create a once in a lifetime experience. And maybe because you're doing that, you will draw the right person to you. Definitely. Look, I just wanted to add to that as well. I recently did a, um, a story for um, a newspaper over in the UK about how dating apps are still thriving. But actually, there's more of a demand now to get offline and to get, you know, to meet people in person. And I think that's the feeling that I'm getting from all the people that I'm talking to um, at Flashpack. They, they want to get, they just want to meet people normally outside of dating apps. I can say that is true 100% in, in New York. And like from my vantage point as a single woman, so I mean, like there's major app fatigue from the pandemic where you had this one way to date people. And we're all like, whoa, that was way too much of that. Let's do something different, which is right. why I really wanted to highlight and showcase like some companies that are helping you get back in the world and meeting people and making connections. 
cool. I have one last request, which I'm going to jump on. Because you said there's some in-person meetups in New York. And I was like, uh, I know you're dealing with post-pandemic businesses. And, and obviously your priority is to get people to go on your trips. But do you see a future where you could coordinate in-person meetups for like-minded folk who like to travel in cities around the world? Um, 100%. Yeah. Do you want, do you want to lead them in New York? <laughs> I would totally, I would be honored. Cause you know, like I'm a producer, I'm a tour guide. Like I love to organize. I have my little lists of new places to go out in New York city. Um, I like, absolutely. I would a hundred percent do that. And I would love to invite my single friends who are maybe flashback curious, even just like who've been on the podcast for just my single people in my life to like come and meet other singles. <laughs> yeah, well, look, like, as, as you said before, like, our mission is to connect, to make one, create one million friendships. Yeah. So it doesn't, it shouldn't just be reserved for people doing, you know, adventure vacations. Um, so we know there's a huge demand for people to meet up in cities. We've done it before actually in London and it was very successful. So um, yeah, watch this space. That's a, that's a good idea. I think that's so great. And again, it's like it really speaks to like the integrity of of you and, and Rada and your business of like, yeah, you created a successful business, but how can we like expand the business model of why we created it to create greater good in in our culture and in our world and what people are struggling with loneliness. So kudos to you. Like it's been my complete honor to travel with you and your company. Um, as I mentioned to you, I, I connected with Two specifically, two single people on my trip in Peru. We were talking. We got asked advice over a, a beautiful dinner. Um, and so Elizabeth and I were like rolling up our sleeves, you know, and like, you guys, we have to get you on the podcast. So I'm so excited to have them in two weeks. I have them as my, my two single representatives coming in to talk about their single lives. And that all happened because of flashbacks. So couldn't have happened without you guys. And I, I like it just comes full circle to have you here. I'm so grateful to have you share your your voice and your opinion and, and your company with me and my listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, you've given me lots of good ideas too. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to listening to your podcast. Y'all, if you are Flashback curious, you can find them on the web very easily. It is flashback.com. You can also find them on Instagram at Flashback2. We're going to tag them. Make sure you have all the links. Take a look. Be curious. Give yourself permission to go on a trip. If you have a friend that might be travel curious, feel free to share this episode with them. As always, I encourage you to like and subscribe to help our podcast rise to the top. And come join us over on Instagram at hashtag single pod, where we're sharing little insider tips and tricks, as well as fun clips from this episode. That is it for this episode. We will catch you next time. Next time.